everybody, and welcome back to the Out To Be podcast. It's your host, Katie Zuccardi, and on today's episode, I am chatting with Sierra Rubin all about healing through singing. So especially now when things are a little bit more uncertain and a little bit more high stress as we deal with this coronavirus pandemic in our world right now, this is a great episode that's going to teach you exactly what you can do to use your voice to heal and work through any emotions that you're feeling right now. So I'm going to keep this intro short because I want to dive right into this episode. Take notes, make sure that you are paying attention, especially when we go into the part where Sierra explains exactly how you can do this at home, exactly how you can use your voice to work through some of the emotions that are coming up for you right now. And anytime in the future, you can do this exercise whenever Ever you feel compelled to. This is such a juicy episode. Like I said, she's going to walk us through exactly what we can do. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Hey, Sierra, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Like, so excited. I'm excited you're here too, because today we're going to talk about how singing can heal you, how it can be healing and energizing, which is such a cool topic. I firmly believe there's so much power in the voice, but I haven't really studied that, but you have. So we're going to dive deep. We're going to pick your brain today. Before we do that, tell us a little bit about you and about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have been singing since I was little, like most people who are probably listening um, and probably like yourself. And I started doing musical theater when I was in middle school and choir and um, studied that in college. I went to SCAD. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design and got my degree in performing arts. Mm -hmm. And um, through that process, I discovered that while I love to sing and I love to write songs, um, being in theater per se wasn't really my dream. It was somebody else's dream for me. Okay, I have to ask you this because I feel like every theater kid in high school is like, oh, do I go to college for musical theater? And then I had the same battle and I had so many friends who did that. And then they'd be like, it's really hard out there. There's so many good people and like you have to really want it. That was part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, even when you're the best in your high school and I mean, we were winning state championships with our one acts and yeah. I was playing leads and all of that, but then you go to college and all of those people are the best people from their high schools too. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you know, there it's just was, like a different uh, ball game. It's so much more intense than you think it's going to be. It is. And I had a really great, I had great professors in college and, you know, they, they really were real with us and were saying, you know, it's luck who, you know, and talent in that order. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, one of them said theater is an insatiable lover. Like it always wants more. That's so funny. And I was like, okay. And then I saw also sort of the transformation of, you know, you go through a transformation as when you go through any type of experience, college being one of them. Um, but being that theater and also the music industry in a lot of ways are businesses of rejection in a lot of ways. You really have to develop a thick skin, but not right. only that, sometimes for some people that turns into a big ego. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, totally understandable because you have to be resilient. You have to know that you're the shit. You have to know you're the best. Um, but that wasn't something that I was willing to do. I wasn't willing to become somebody that I wasn't mm -hmm, in order mm -hmm. to make it in the business part. Like I, just like you, just like everybody else who's listening, I'm also an artist and that's really more where you know, I just kind of realized like, this wasn't really my dream. Like as I was learning more and more about it, I was like, oh, this is, this is somebody else's dream for me. This is maybe my parents' dream for me or somebody, you know, they recognize the talent in me. And so they want me to go in this, in this route. And, um, it was a big deal in my family when I said, this is not what I want to do. And so then I spent the next, uh, you know, seven years working in the restaurant industry, as you do. Mm -hmm. um, I was a bartender and I had no idea like what I wanted to do with my life or my talent or whatever. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a job working for a chamber of commerce, funnily enough, very businessy, very 
um, you know, skirt suits and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and after a year, I got promoted to be their director of operations. So I was running big scale events and I was, you know, doing all the admin function as well as facilitating networking and, you know, business interaction, collaboration. And it was um, interesting and it was, it was exciting. And I got, you know, all the free blowouts and makeups and all the things and the who's who's in the city and whatever. That just wasn't it for me. It just wasn't doing it for me. It was like, there's gotta be something, you know? And a friend of mine who I met while I was working there, um, she was wearing a necklace one day that had an arrow on it. And I've always been interested in astrology and my mom for my whole life has talked about that we're empaths, we're empathic, which means that you are very sensitive to other people's emotions and you're very sensitive yourself in, in the way that you feel and you can sense things in other people. Um, and my aunt, actually my mom's sister, she teaches Tantra. I don't know if you know what that is, but we can go, that's a whole other ball game, but it's very spiritual. Explain, yeah, explain it to the listeners. Cause I'm, I'm digging how you have such a spiritual background in your family. I feel like that's something that people might know about now, but you know, the generation before us, you didn't see a ton of people who were really tapped into the fact that like you were an empath or you were doing, you know, any of those spiritual things. So tell us a little bit more about what your aunt does for people who are unfamiliar with it. Yeah, so, um, and, and, and the reason that I grew up this, like with that is definitely because of her. Like she broke the mold in our family for being spiritual. Um, and so Tantra is basically, um, has to do with your sexuality and your sexuality as a spiritual thing and how to find empowerment and fulfillment in your sexuality through spirituality. Um, she helps couples who are struggling with their sex lives. Um, she helps individuals who are struggling with their sex lives. Um, and, but from a spiritual perspective. That's awesome. So having all this happen and you're fed up with your job, how did you eventually come to be a sound healer? Yeah. So, um, my, this, my aunt, she took me to this woman when I was nine years old and she was like, Oh, this is like a music therapist, like a music teacher. And I'm like, okay. You know, cause she knew I liked to sing. And this woman, she just sat with me in a room with her guitar and she was playing some things and she was like, here, okay. Like make this sound. And you know, how do you feel like what's something you're struggling with and, you know, take a deep breath and, when you do that, like what kind of sound comes out when you think about how you feel. And she was just working with me in that way. And I never thought to use my voice in that way. But from then on, um, I'd be like singing, I'd be like in the shower, I'd be like singing, but then I'd it'd like strike a chord and then I'd like start to cry. And then I'd be like, oh my gosh, like this is weird. But then I'd be like, wait a minute, this actually feels really good. Um, and so then fast forward, like I said, that whole story of, of me on my career path, seeing this friend with this arrow necklace, I asked her, I said, are you a Sagittarius? You know, cause I was I'm really into, into astrology and she was like, yeah, I'm a Sagittarius. You are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. I'm a Gemini. So we're opposite signs, but opposites attract. So that's so right. funny. <laughs> but, um, so she was like, yeah, like, I, she's like, I never meet anybody who's into that. Like, do you want to go to the psychic fair with me? And I was like, Sure. Why not? Like, oh my you know, I'm from California, so that's like very common out there. <laughs> I was living in Georgia and I still, I do now. And so I was like, wow, there's psychic fairs in Georgia. Like, okay. Like I'd never been to one. So we go to this psychic fair and I sit down across this woman who's doing aura reading. Is that where they read the color? Yeah. Yeah. So I sat down for that and she was giving me like a psychic reading at the same time. And she asked me, like, have you had any, like, weird experiences in your life? You know, and I was like, actually, yeah. And I described a couple. There was one that happened when I was 13. And then there was one when I was 25. Just some really weird kind of paranormal-ish experiences. Mm. Wait, tell us, because we, I love, well, I don't know about we. I can't speak for my podcast listeners, but I love hearing about that stuff. <laughs> So when I was 13, I was at a sleepover and I was like, just moved to Georgia. I was a Girl Scout for like 10 years. And so we found a new troop when I moved to Georgia and I was at the girls birthday party sleepover. I'm sure it was my idea, but you know, it was like late at night. I'm like, let's do a seance, you know, like how you see it in the movies. Like, this will be funny. Like, oh my gosh. 
stupid, right? Whatever. So we like light some candles and sit in a circle. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, anybody that wants to say hello, who's good, like, you know, and I just started to see all these pictures in my mind and to feel all these feelings in my body. And so I just started saying, like, I was just like, I must, I'm probably just making this up. So like, I'm just like saying whatever. And I'm like, yeah, there's like this old man and he's like really kind, but like, he's sad. And I was, and then he's, I don't remember a lot. I was saying other things, but then I said, he's playing pool. Like, and he keeps telling me he's a pool shark mm -hmm. and the birthday girl gasped and said, that's my grandfather. Like he died. And like he, that was his thing was playing pool. And he always used to be so proud of it and say that he was a pool shark. And then she started to cry. Oh and my God. I'm like, Oh my God. I made the birthday girl cry. Oh no. <laughs> and, um, was never invited back to their house again. Oh um, my God. <laughs> but I was just like, Oh my God. Like that was real. Like yeah. that was real. Like I was really seeing that, experiencing that. Um, and then when I was 25, I was at a friend's house and she lives on a lake and um, I saw, I swear, I mean, and I smoked a lot of weed at this time. Okay. I mean, I don't know if that's okay to say on your podcast. I don't care. I mean, it's the music industry, baby. We, there's a lot of things everyone's done. <laughs> right. So at that time I was, I was smoking weed. And so I was like, I must be stoned right now, but like, I think I see it, this ghost and like, I really think I see it. And I can imagine to this day what she looked like. She had, she was tall and thin. She looked like maybe she was in her early twenties maybe younger. She had her hair half up, half down, and it was like in a bow. And she had this like 1800s, maybe early 1900s dress. Mm -hmm. and, and she was just looking out to the water and she just felt like very sad. And I was like, okay, like I've been smoking a little bit too much. Like I need to go to bed. And a couple months later, this friend had a dance studio. She's teaching kids fogging. And so she had her students over one day and one of the little girls said, I see this woman. And she described her like the same way that I had described her. And my friend told me about that. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. It just freaked me out. I was like, that really happened. And those, those are the two things that I told the woman. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I was going to say was like, when I hear your story, I feel like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense because kids are so much more tapped into those things because they just, they're more imaginative and they're more just like not, you know, experiencing reality and like other dimensions at ease. Whereas as adults, obviously you get more tapped into like, this is reality and ghosts are ghosts and that's that and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. um, wow. So after that, you told it to this person and what did she say? She was like, that doesn't surprise me at all. She was like, you are, you can do what I do. She was like, you are psychic. And she was like, you are going to be like a spiritual teacher. You're going to be a leader. You're going to be teaching people about these things. And I was like, lady, you are crazy. I have a grown up job. I am, a, I am engaged. Like I'm checking the boxes. You're nuts. But then there was like, you know, this little voice inside that I, you know, never listened to that said, yeah, yes. And then I was like, so curious after that. So I just started like researching all the things, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gemini. So I am like, learn a holic. So I was like watching all the videos and reading all the books and mm -hmm. it just like snowballed from there and it blew wide open. And I just had all of this awakening and understanding and I was learning so much about spirituality and all the different modalities and um you know like galactic consciousness and and shamanism and you know mediumship and just all of the things and so I, I then I started a business that was the first time I started a business that was in 26 no end of 2015 I started a website and I was doing psychic readings for people um, for years. And I was teaching courses on, on various spiritual topics for a long time, but I was always afraid to bring singing into it and to bring my music into it. 
maybe because I thought people wouldn't care or I thought like it would just be too much, you know, like, but that's who I am and that's what I do. And it's what I've been doing since I was little. And I've been using my voice to heal myself and to energize myself since I was little. And so of course, of course, that's the work I'm meant to do in the world. And, you know, just the, the spirituality just brings a whole nother layer of, of intentionality and, and dimension to it. Um, because I understand the power of healing trauma. What is it that you do with clients now? Yeah. So now I, it, it is sort of a hybrid of a psychic reading. I'm, I'm very much a teacher, like a coach, like that's really who I am. That's who I am. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. I'm a counselor type of person. I use my intuitive abilities to enhance that. Um, and then, so I'm helping people, you know, people would come to me and say, I'm struggling with this. And I say, okay, well, this is what's really going on. And this is what it's connected to. And you need to do this and then not do that. And then I will give them um, you know, like maybe a meditation or a chant that I, that I write that's like customized for them so that they can then use their voice to start getting the energy moving and start, um, bringing that clarity in for themselves. Um, so that's what I would do in a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but I, I, like I said, I've been creating courses since like 2015, 2016. Um, and so I love that. I love teaching courses. Um, so that's what I do as well as I offer courses that help people like break free from fear so that they can find that clarity on what they actually want to do and then feel motivated to, to do it, to take action on it. So what do you see as some of the biggest like pain points or struggles that people who come to you as artists or songwriters or singers tend to be struggling with? It's all over the map, honestly. I mean, a lot of it has to do with their health a lot of times. Um, funnily enough, it has to do with like, um, they they're struggling with health issues like candida or, you know, they're struggling with different addictions, right? Which is the reason why you struggle with candida is because you have a sugar addiction. Specifically singers, a lot of times that they are having trouble feeling confident in sharing their voice, whether that's singing, speaking, or otherwise. Um, a lot, a lot of people that come to me, they want to start a business. They want to start a spiritual business and they're artists and they're singers, but they just don't know where to begin and they're afraid and they're afraid to come out of the spiritual closet and um, all the things. So it's, it's a little all over the map because I'll just be honest with you, like this pivot into vocal sound healing is, is pretty recent for me. So I'm still really getting a pulse on what everybody really needs and what everybody's really struggling with. Yeah. So going back to one of the examples you gave earlier, which was kind of overcoming like fear that's coming up. That's a big one, right? Yeah. So I want to talk about two things. The first is like, what is the point or the benefits of using sound healing in the first place? And then I want to go into like, what does it actually look like when you use it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we are physical beings, right? But we're, we're so much more than that. We're a soul having a human experience in a body. And so when we go about dealing with our shit, which is important, right? Because if we want to grow as entrepreneurs, if we want to grow as artists, if we want to grow as people, if we want our life to get better, we need to face our demons. We need to deal with the dysfunctional behaviors that we're doing, whether self-inflicted or inflicting on other people. If we're ever going to get to the next level in any aspect, whether that's our career, our life, what have you. So it's crucial to do that type of work. And, you know, I love affirmation, but if you just do affirmations, it's not going to really work long-term. If you um, meditate, sure, that's going to help you with your mental health. If Even if you get your physical health on track, absolutely. But we're forgetting, and we often forget about the emotions, the feelings. Why? Because they're messy and they're tough and they're dark sometimes. You know, we, uh, a lot of people that come to me, this is, this is something I forgot to say, they had traumatic childhoods in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where a lot of things starts is with 
Um, I do a lot of forgiveness work with people, helping people understand the power of forgiveness and that forgiveness has nothing to do with them and everything to do with your freedom. And um, so if we don't do that type of work, even if we meditate, even if we chant mantras, even if we say affirmations, there's always going to be that undercurrent of darkness. There's always going to be that undercurrent of yeah, like I feel better on a day-to-day -day basis and I can talk myself out of this bad mood, but like, why does it keep coming back? Why does this same issue keep bothering me? And that's because you're not really feeling the feelings. There's a, right. there's a quote somewhere, uh, I don't, it was like anonymous, but it said, pain travels through families until someone's brave enough to feel it. And that's the absolute truth that you need to feel your feelings. Yeah. Like ancestral trauma. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is something uh, I've actually myself been like wanting to look into because the more I've learned about it, the more I've been like, hmm, there's a lot of shit that's gone on in my family. And I'm sure everyone's family, right? Like everyone has something that goes on. And I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like, I've been doing so much work on myself. And this is another layer of it that I might need to like let out everyone else's grief and fear and stuff that they went through that they just did not deal with. Certainly not before I was born and probably still not now. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, most people of our generation have unconscious parents, which basically means when I say conscious and unconscious, awakened and non-awakened, what I mean is self-aware and self-aware to the point where you decide to improve yourself. Right because you realize you need to, yeah. you know? And it's not like you're broken and it's not like you're messed up. It's like, I like to think of it like goggles, okay? So imagine that you had a lot of trauma in your life, okay, everybody, in different ways. The more trauma that you had, the more pairs of goggles that you're wearing, okay? Mm -hmm. So you're wearing all these goggles, you can't see very clearly. So the way you perceive the world and the way the world seems to you and the way you experience the world is actually really not the way things are, not the way things have to be, but you think it is and you experience it as that messed up thing because you can't see clearly. Okay. So what my work does and what most shadow work or trauma work does is you're removing pairs yeah. of goggles. So you are seeing clearly and more clearly, and the more clearly you see, the more you understand that love is the true nature of the universe, and you experience it in that way. The more, you know, your perception and your, your unique vibration, your unique energy system and how you is always related to how you're going to perceive things. You're going to perceive things from the space that you're in. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. So we've established a couple like things that might be going on deeper than what people realize, either ancestral trauma, which is basically to reiterate things that didn't happen to you, but happened to generations of family members past that is trauma that they're holding in their body. They've experienced and they haven't worked through and inevitably through the process of birth and you know being I saw some great thing where it was like you are already an egg in your mother when she is in your grandmother's stomach right so it's like yeah. that just goes to show you are a part of these people like, literally physically yeah. so that's one thing childhood trauma or any really I guess any life trauma that someone might have experienced that they were there for that they are holding on to relationship problem you have bad ex-boyfriend girlfriends you know like feeling left out and ostracized or bullied in school all the things yeah yeah and then probably any other patterns of fear i mean i do believe that like even in the music industry it doesn't necessarily have to be that you underwent some trauma but you are just in a container where you're seeing other people go down paths that are kind of fearful or you're seeing all of these beliefs and like um ways that people show up in the music industry even like there's no money in the music industry or like you have to stay up super late and party really hard in order to make it like stuff like that where it's not really a trauma it's maybe not even something that we went through but it's kind of it's about it's a block it's a blockage that's 
something that we are in, we are experiencing, and we're having this sort of push and pull of like, I don't really feel like I want to do that, but I'm also in this environment where I I have these fears and I have these things I feel like are expected of me and things like that. So would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. Well, the, the tortured artist, you know, is a thing. And so many people, musicians and artists feel like they need to feel tortured in some way in order to create good art. And that's a lie. You can create good art when you are happy. You, I mean, I'll be honest, the songs I write are um, many times connected to trauma because that is a powerful place to write from. But just because I heal those traumas doesn't mean I can't still write good music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you don't have so, to keep the wound open. Yes. And, and you don't need to, and you can still go back to that place. Even if you heal it, you can go back to that place and you can write from that place. Um, you know, and so now that we've established the importance of the work of healing your trauma, why use your voice? Why sing? Um, well, you know, for, for a singer, first of all, um, it's fun. Singing is fun and it's an escape from the heaviness of this world. And if you can use something that's so fun and so light and so energizing to deal with your shit, to face your demons, why wouldn't you? You know, it makes it a, I wouldn't say it's fun, <laughs> but it makes it an easier process. It yeah. makes it a less gnarly process to go through. It, you, you feel more supported. It feels more divine, if you want to use that kind of language. It yeah. feels better to use your voice to deal with the stuff you already have to deal with than it wouldn't otherwise. So what's kind of like the scientific stuff behind it? Tell us like literally from a vibrational standpoint or, you know, what is it like physically doing it to us when we sing that helps us heal? Absolutely. So we are physical as I said. And so it's important to release trauma on a physical level. So if you're not writing it out, speaking it out, singing it out, crying it out, sweating it out, you're not really letting it go, first of all. Um, and we have to do all five of those things or we can cycle through and see what feels right for us. You could cycle through and feel what's right for you. But I'll tell you right now, in my experience through doing it for my whole life, crying is the most effective fastest and most permanent way to get it out. I think so too. <laughs> I mean, we all know how we feel after a good cry. Like you really feel like you dropped 10 pounds almost the weights off your shoulders. Absolutely. And in my practice, it's literally gotten to the point where I am literally saying thank you while I am crying. I am grateful. Like it feels so good. And I know that I'm doing something that is so amazing for me and will help me up level and get clarity and all of that. So People out there who are afraid to cry or feel like it's not okay to cry, I get you. I'm, I am you, but it is the most effective way. But so anyway, so we're physical, right? But that doesn't mean that we're solid, okay? So what are we made of? We're made of blood, bones, and tissue. What are those made of? They're made of cells. And what are cells made of? They're made of atoms. And atoms are always in motion. Even if you look it up online, it will say that atoms, even in solid objects, are always vibrating. Okay, so at our core makeup, we are vibration. And this is not just some woo-woo thing. It is scientific. We are vibration. And what else is vibration? Sound waves. Sound waves are vibration. And so, you know, the vibration of music, right? If you go listen to some music that feels really good, that's really powerful. If you play an instrument, say the guitar or the piano or the harp, um, and you feel those vibrations, that's really powerful. But the one instrument, the one and only instrument that is inside of you, that is unique to you, like a thumbprint, not just talking about tone quality. I'm talking about like on a vibratory level, your mm -hmm. voice is unique to you. So your voice is the most powerful tool that you have to heal yourself because you are literally vibration. Your voice is vibration and your voice is doing the work that you specifically need to heal yourself. So even, you know, I write music and, you know, even if somebody listens to me sing it, that's great. You know, they like the song. Okay, great. But unless they sing it, it won't be as effective. It will not be as effective. And there's definitely a difference between entertainment and vocal sound healing as well. 
you know? So it's like, you're playing a concert. Okay, great. But if the person who's playing the concert has the intention of healing and has that intention and invites the people to sing along with them, that is vocal sound. Mm, I love what you just said. So now that we know all of that, where do we start? Let's say that we, we don't have a coach. We just want to kind of do some exercises on our own. What the heck do we do? Like, how do we even start with this? Yeah. So traditionally vocal sound healing is, you know, like thing, a thing that monks do, right? They are chanting in different languages and people are trying to sing things called overtones and using singing bowls and stuff. And that definitely works. It's definitely effective. I can get into it, but for me, modern music has always been just as effective, if not more effective um, than that traditional stuff. And I'm not, I'm never going to knock the traditional stuff because it really works. But if you can sing, I mean, I don't know how you feel about her, but if you can sing a Sarah Bareilles song and heal yourself, I mean, sign me up for that rather than chanting a a Tibetan mantra. And in my experience, I've only ever used modern music to heal myself and do vocal sound healing, whether it's my own songs or somebody else's. So you know, the first thing that you would do if you wanted to start to practice this is find a song or a a couple, give yourself a couple of options of songs that really hit you in the heartstrings, that really connect with you emotionally, that like, you're not even practicing vocal sound healing yet. But like, when you hear those lyrics, you're like, that's me. And you listen to the song and you're, you're already starting to feel those feelings coming out. Yeah. Um, It's very important that you connect emotionally with the song. And um, I would not say that every genre is appropriate for vocal sound healing, every genre of music. Um, I mean, if you can find a rock and roll song that gets you right there, more power. (laughs) Um, But for me, it's Maybe a power ballad, but not, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, maybe if it really, maybe some Simon and Garfunkel, like, I don't know. But, um, you know, if it really, like singer songwriter, um, musical theater, you know, mostly music that's written from the heart, that's very emotionally driven. So musical theater, singer, songwriter, um, Disney music. Mm. Um, uh, it could even be some, some like spiritual or religious music, especially if you were raised, I wasn't raised religious, but if you were like, that could really connect with you. Like yeah. whatever really connects with you on an emotional level, get yourself a couple of songs. Um, my standbys, if I'm, if I'm struggling and I'm trying to get to that place where I want those emotions to come up, are Almost Lover by A Fine Frenzy and Jar of Hearts by Christina Perry. Those are two big ones for me. And you just set your intention. You set your intention. That's almost the most important part is setting your intention. What is it that you're wanting to heal? What is it that's bugging you? Who is it that's bugging you? You know, and if the lyrics can relate to that situation or person in any kind of way, it doesn't have to be literal. You can sing about a she if it's a he or vice versa. That's the power right there is when you set that intention, you know what you're trying to work on, you know who you're trying to forgive or overcome, or you're really mad at them or whatever. You pick the song that really gets you and then you sing it until the emotions start to come up. And then when they do, you let it happen. Mm, Okay. So you don't have to like do anything special or specific or different while you're singing the song. It's just about setting a really, really clear intention picking a song that has meaning and then allowing whatever happens as you start to sing that song happen. Absolutely. Now it is definitely helpful if you like visualize that situation or that person while you're singing it. Um, You know, if you're trying to like forgive your mom or like forgive an ex or like uh, heal from an ex-boyfriend or a bad relationship, it's definitely helpful you know, I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. Like when I use almost lover, you know, to heal like uh, an ex, you know, situation, um, I'll imagine situations with that person that was, that were painful or even good situations, just, you know, moving through it in my mind, imagining that person, imagining being there in that situation. And that, um, can help the emotions come up more, more quickly. Mm, okay. I love this. I want to try it myself. Yes. Couple of questions. Tell me what happens when you do. I will. I will. So one question that comes up for me is like, let's say I do just what you did. I'm like, I'm picking an ex-boyfriend. I want to just like close some holes. Let's just say anybody out there wants to do it in this somewhat 
easy or like self-explanatory scenario. You know, we all have wounds from a breakup. How many times should one person expect to like do this? Like, can the work be done in one session of really singing it out and letting it happen? Or do you think sometimes it takes going back to it a couple times and really working through it a couple times in order for it to really penetrate? Yeah, it depends on the situation and it depends on the the person. Um, you know, in my experience, it takes a few different times because there are many layers, you know, like if, if it was an ex, it could be, you know, this, this thing, like you realize that, that he did this thing and you realize then, then later that actually, you know, you don't, aren't bothered by that thing that he did anymore. But what bothers you is the person that you became because of it. You know, so there's different layers to every situation. So, you know, some might take just one time, one song, you know, some might take more. Um, and I'll just be honest with you, a really good indicator for me of whether or not I'm actually over it and, and all of that energy of that other person is gone is <clears throat> my dreams. Am I dreaming about them? How often do I dream about them? What are the kinds of dreams that I have about them um, or not? Am I not dreaming about them anymore? Or is hmm. it a long time since I dreamed about them? And when I, when I do dream about them, I don't feel badly. It just feels very peaceful. Um, so I use, I use my dreams and I'm very into dream work and lucid dreaming. Um, That's so interesting. I use, yeah, I use my dreams as an indicator for what's going on. Okay. So what are some other indicators? Cause for me, some of the things that I'm thinking of, of like, Oh, it might be interesting to try it for this, that, and the other thing. I don't know that I'm necessarily having dreams about that person frequently as it is. And I don't even know that I have hard feelings towards them in the dream, but it's just something that I would maybe want to play around with and see if I can just allow like any residual feelings to go away, you know? So what are some other signs that like we've done the work and it's had an impact, a positive impact? Um, you will be different. Like literally the way that you behave will be different. The way that you think of things, you, they won't come up in your thoughts as much, um, during the day that you won't, um, you'll recognize, oh crap, like I do this and I treat people like, it's like I said, it's like the goggles. You're taking some goggles off. So you're seeing more clearly. So you're like, oh man, I do this because of this. And then, and, and, um, you're like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. So yeah, how can yeah. I change that behavior? So then you go and you figure out, you might be like, look it up or you like think about it or you journal about it. Like, how do I want to be differently? And, um, you know, it, it will, sometimes it will bust limiting beliefs that you have. You may realize that you have a limiting belief about yourself because of that other person and, and your relationship with them. So then you realize, oh wait, like that limiting belief that I have is not true. What do I believe? Yeah. So it, it, it kind of, it brings clarity that then brings more questions uh, that enable you to have more self-discovery. Yeah, yeah. And then you start to behave differently and act differently out in the world and that therein changes your world because your world is a reflection of you. So if we go through this process and we are singing and then crying are there any other things that we should do in this sort of exercise? Like it, would you recommend after that you take 20 minutes and you journal through what's coming up so that you can sort of like either like have a bookend or make sure you've like fully processed what's coming up. Like, is there anything else you, you recommend putting into this ritual, into this exercise? Yeah, absolutely. So when I, when I do it after I've had a big cry, I drink a lot of water cause I just lost a lot. Uh, first of all, so hydrate is, that's really important. Um, journaling is definitely really helpful. Um, it's also really important because like from an energetic perspective, you're literally emptying out dark energy. You're emptying, emptying out some shadow energy. So you're creating space. You're creating space within your aura, within your energetic field, within yourself. And so it's very important to either out loud or in the journal or in your mind to set the intention to allow that space to be filled with light, to allow that space to be, and light can mean many things. Light can mean knowledge. Light can mean clarity. Light can mean understanding. Um, but allow and set the intention for that space that you just created to be filled with light so that you're not just like 
emptying out and then putting more crap back in. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, now, and I'm going to keep picking your brain for people who are doing it at home. Like what, what should they expect to happen? Let's say they do this and they start singing and they get through the whole song and they're like, I don't really feel anything. I'm not crying. I don't know that anything's really coming up. What is that an indication of, or where should they maybe go next? Yeah. So that's actually very common, um, with people that I work with. And what I, what I say to that is, um, don't worry. First of all, it's okay. If you don't feel anything the first, second or third time, um, many people are diso it's called dissociated. They are dissociated mm -hmm. from their feelings. Um, we are taught as children, um, that big feelings are not acceptable in a lot of ways. We're told, you know, don't cry, don't cry, yeah. or I'll give you something to cry about, or, um, you know, things like that. So a lot of times people are very disconnected from their feelings. Right. Um, that's a survival mechanism. That's a coping mechanism that we develop as children so that it's like a survival instinct, um, to not feel the feelings because it's not safe to feel the feelings because the feelings are, are really bad or, um, too much for the parents to handle or whatever. Um, you know, so we cut ourselves off from that. So it might take a few times and it might take some, some, you know, coaxing to get to that place where it's even comfortable to allow those feelings to come up. Right. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So the last thing I want to talk about around this healing aspect of it, and I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, because as we're recording it, we are in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, like not quite at the peak yet. It's expected to get worse. And I know there's so many people out there, especially in the music industry who have had gigs canceled, who are unsure about what's coming next, and they might benefit from doing this work. But yet at the same time, they might not know exactly what they're trying to heal there because all they're feeling is just like general fear, general uncertainty, general desire of wanting this to be over and done with. So where can they start? Obviously a lot of that stuff, um, you know, probably everyone's feeling a sense of fear because there's a lot of different things that they could be worried about. Some of it might also go deeper of other wounds that they have that are maybe amplifying their fears or making it worse or making particular things triggered, right? So what can someone do who maybe is dealing with this, um, whether it's the coronavirus in particular or any other sort of like more general thing um, or something that feels more general, I should say, how can we use sound healing with this particular situation? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so a few things. Number, number one, um, a trick that I've learned through my life of doing this almost like, you know, over 20 years of doing it is you don't have to always heal the actual thing that you're afraid of in order to be less afraid overall. So like fear, fear and love, right? Those are like positive, negative, fear and love, like the ultimate expressions of that. And it's a spectrum. So you can heal other things and end up being less afraid and less anxious about what's going on right now. Um, it absolutely works. And, but number two, we can look at this virus, at this situation from an energetic perspective and from an archetypal perspective. And that's part of what's helped me as well to keep my center a lot more um, through this is, I mean, I've been vocal sound healing my butt off, don't get me wrong, um, but, what does it represent? Okay. It is a feeling of powerlessness. We feel powerless. We feel like we're not in control. We don't have the understanding. We're not virologists. We don't know where it's very much living in the unknown in that space and feeling like we don't have the power to do something about it. In fact, um, it's very possible, you know, I, I believe in manifestation and I believe with 100% certainty that everything happens for the highest good, no matter if we can't logically understand how that is happening for the highest good. And that might trigger people. Yeah. Cause it's like, 
why the hell are you telling me that people are dying and that all this stuff is happening and that I have to stay in my house with no money for three weeks? And it's frustrating. And it feels like there's no point to this. And I'm not saying that everything happens for a reason, that it's happening for a reason. But what I am saying is that there is meaning and you can find meaning in everything. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you can say, okay, this virus right now is representing all of the ways I don't feel in control of myself, mm -hmm. all of the ways I've given up my power as a sovereign being, human being. This virus is representing just feeling like I can't control things. So when you're going about healing it, look at situations in your life, in your life specifically, where you felt powerless. Maybe it was with an ex-boyfriend. Maybe it was with a parental, parental figure where you felt like you weren't in control of your own body and go about intending to heal those things. Mm, yeah. And I very much believe that what's going on in the collective, the, the macro always reflects the micro and vice versa. So what's going on with this virus is a manifestation of what's going on inside of us right? There's somebody, I forget who, but they say, if you spot it, you got it. So if it's going on out there in the world, there's an aspect of it that's going on within you. So where do you feel powerless? Where are you not stepping up and, and saying what's on your mind? Where are you not stepping up and speaking your truth? Where are you not stepping up and taking your power and taking responsibility for your life and your own energy? And the more we do that, on an individual basis and the more that spreads into you know the collective and more and more people start taking their power back in a in a healthy way and not in a patriarchal way in a healthy embodied and integrated way start taking our power back as sovereign beings yeah these situations these big situations that that, that continue to happen will start to lessen will start mm -hmm. to lessen in intensity but this, this is absolutely this virus and this whole situation. There's something to be learned. We have something to learn about ourselves and we have something to forgive about our humanity. Humanity mess has messed up in a lot of ways. And that's painful to think about and to look at, you know, but that's why we're seeing things like this happen. And if we continue to look away and try to numb out or blame somebody else, blame the president, blame the government, blame this, blame that. Yeah. At our core, at one level of dimension, this is absolute universal truth. We are one. That's not just some airy fairy woo woo thing. Okay. But integrating and understanding that concept that we are one means that we have to look at the things that are dark about our humanity. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think and this we, is a great time to heal. Like the only way to overcome this virus is to heal. And so that means we have to do that upfront work of getting our body, our mind healthy, which is, you know, as we're talking about here, it's very well-rounded. It's not just your physical body. It's not just the way you eat. It's not just your mental health. It's everything. And then of course, healing any wounds that you have, healing any physical things that you have. So it's both preventative and then maybe like, wrap up those things that you feel like are open wounds right now. I feel like, you know, we're at home. We have the opportunity to do nothing else but focus on doing exactly what we need for our body. Go so yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. So before we wrap up, I know you also use this similar process for energizing. So can you talk a little bit about what that means and then what differences you might make in the process you shared with us to be more energized? Yeah. Um, so that's just, I mean, the flip side of the, the trauma healing is the energizing, you know, and you know that when you sing something that you love, even if it's a ballad, even if it's a sad song, whatever, it makes you feel energized. And so you can use that in an intentional way, not just like when the song comes on. I mean, nobody listens to the radio, Spotify. <laughs> so when the song comes on Spotify yeah. or when you know somebody else is talking about it or you hear it on social media you can use it in an intentional way when when you're feeling like crap like for me 
there's a song and when I put it on, like, I know that I'm just going to break it down. Like, even if I'm feeling like crap and sometimes I'm like feeling like crap and I'm like, you should turn that song on. And I'm like, no, I don't want to turn that song on. Yeah. Yeah. I want it better. I want to be mad right now. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But then I turn on, uh, wannabe Spice Girls. Good one. Um, Don't stop me now by queen. I love it. So you just can't help it. You just yeah. can't help it. Just like, okay, okay, I'm into it. I'm going to do sing all the words and I'm feeling it. So use it in an intentional way. Use it when you start to feel the anxiety about what's going on right now. When mm-hmm. you start to watch a little bit too much news or listen a little bit too much to the people who have many more pairs of goggles on than you who are seeing all the fear. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more about changing that intention to, instead of being like, I want to work through this fear. I want to overcome this wound. It's more about like, I want to move to a more positive place. I want to get my energy up. I want to kind of move from this thought pattern that's not serving me to a more positive one. Right. Because many, many musicians and singers were often very empathic. We're very sensitive to feelings. Um, and so we can tend to take on other people's stress and other people's anxiety and fear. Um, so it's not always having to go cry, you know, cry in the corner. Sometimes it's just like, you know what, I don't know if this is really mine. I don't really have the time to explore if this is the trauma that I need to deal with right now. So yeah. I'm going to turn on Don't Stop Me Now or Wannabe or whatever it is for you listeners and feel better. Yeah. Okay. I love that. That's awesome. Especially during this time, I think we can use both of these techniques and these processes to help us through and really work through our emotions. Sierra, thank you so much for coming on today. Tell us how we can stay connected with you and work with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I just relaunched my YouTube channel. So definitely go check that out. Sierra Rubin. I'm posting video videos every week. I'm taking you guys on a journey through the foundations of what vocal sound healing even is. Um, this week I posted a video about the science behind vocal sound healing. Next week, I'm going to be talking about how Oprah actually is endorsing sound healing, which I'm super excited about. Um, so definitely subscribe, uh, to the YouTube channel. And then I'm also on Instagram at Sierra, C-I-A-R-A-M, Ruben, R-U-B-I-N. So go check me out there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was so good learning all about this. I want to encourage everyone to go give it a shot, give it a try. And then when you do be sure to screenshot this episode, tag me and Sierra in it and let us know how it went and what you learned. I can't Thanks, wait. Thanks, Sierra. <laughs> Thanks.